0: Listening to the one two three show with me, Noreen May, on this Tuesday afternoon, and since it's Tuesday, we are talking about uh, food, well, somewhat related to, to food. Uh, let's turn to our very first guest and topic of today. In the next fifteen minutes or so, we're talking to Mayuri Punjabi, who's a holistic health coach who uses holistic approach that is centered around nutrition and lifestyle to help people achieve a better lifestyle. Now, for some of us who have experienced uh, less healthy habits or, or less healthy eating habits then perhaps Mayuri can offer some tips and tricks for us uh, because she founded My Eureka Life uh, in hopes to help other people with their health journey. So I'd like to welcome to the program, Mayuri. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much
1: for having me here, Noreen.
0: We are on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. And if you have any questions or any comments, feel free uh, to join us there. Um, Tell us a little bit more about yourself then, Mayuri. How did this all begin.
1: So how did it all begin? Well, I'll start by telling you a little bit about myself. So my name is Mayuri Punjabi, as you said. I'm a mom of two. I'm 42 years old, um, Indian by origin, but I've called Hong Kong home for 13 years now. Prior to that, I've had a bit of a nomadic upbringing, you know, kind of born in Indonesia, lived all around the world and uh, met my husband, who's from Hong Kong, got married and settled here. So much of my life, I would say till about maybe nine, 10 years ago, I never gave healthy eating a thought. I honestly, it didn't even exist for me. It, It wasn't even on my radar. You know, it was just double pepperoni pizzas beers in the morning if I feel like it there was just no it really didn't exist for me this this realm of healthy eating and um once I got married and moved to Hong Kong I got pregnant very quickly and then I had my second child again very quickly and what happened was I didn't eat for two like the saying was I ate for the entire building Because somehow I thought, you know, it's okay, right? I need to nourish another human being. Um, So I very, very quickly put on close to 34 kilograms. I mean, to show you how, kind of illustrate how bad it was, my gynecologist said, I have never had to ask a pregnant woman to watch what they're eating. You really need to watch what you're eating like the rate at which you're putting on weight is scary. Because your frame is quite small as well. So yeah. putting
0: on the weight, it would put a lot of pressure on your joints and For not to sure. mention, you know, blood yeah. vessels. and Everything,
1: <laughs> everything right? Yeah. Everything, everything. I mean, I was as, um, as wide as I was high. I was literally just a, a little sphere kind of bobbling around and... um You paint with your words. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of my second pregnancy, um, as I said, 34 kilograms overweight with a host of conditions Mm -hmm. that I had never even heard of. I had Hashimoto's, I was pre diabetic, I had polycystic ovary syndrome these are all kind of like in the, uh, in the realm of metabolism. And um, needless to say, it was just, um, it was very, very difficult to, you know, having lived life, like I said, not giving much of a thought to how I looked because I was always kind of on the smaller side of life anyways, and not really worrying about what to eat. Suddenly I was facing this reality where I was much bigger than I was ever used to being. Mm. And I started to doubt myself, my self-confidence, my image. I didn't want to see people. I, it literally turned into quite a lot of self-loathing. Yeah. And I found myself in a very dark place. And it's a cycle because the, the, the worse
0: you feel, well, for some people, some people yeah. may not choose comfort eating, but then that sort of perpetuates itself.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? You can't see it. So you're like, what is the point? What is this celery going to do? Yeah. Right. What is the point? And and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a very it wasn't a place I'd wish on anyone, you know, where I literally started to question my my worth as a human being. Mm. And imagine I was uh, blessed with uh, two lives to now take care of. And that was the state of mind I was coming from right so yeah not not a very pleasant place but then um it, it actually just struck me I guess I had my eureka moment um, and it's, it's so vivid for me like I can remember it like it was yesterday I was standing in my bathroom trying to I had to find fat on my belly which that was a lot of but I had to pinch a little bit out and I had to inject myself with the medication for, for pre-diabetes and I remember Um, Because if you inject it slightly incorrectly, it can hurt. Mm -hmm. So I kept trying to find the right place and it was frustrating and it hurt. And I was just like, what have I turned into? And it was literally a light bulb moment, which was, you don't have to live like this, though. This isn't the only way one could continue living. You don't have to just survive the circumstance that's around you. You could actually try a different way. And you could learn to thrive. And I think that's what sparked it. I literally put the injection down. I called my doctor and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I need you to give me three months. Right? I needed his permission to go off it. Right? And I was like, I need you to give me three months. I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to do something. And then we'll test my blood work again and we'll take it from there. And that's how the whole thing began.
0: Wow, you had that moment and you just didn't want to live like that anymore.
1: No, yeah.
0: So what was the first thing you did? Did you cut out, was it the eating? Is it you are what you eat? Did you start exercising? You know, how did, was it the chicken or the egg?
1: I think it was stumbling. I was stumbling all over the place. I wasn't, like I said, I didn't even give healthy eating or or even exercise. Like you mentioned, I had never given it a thought. The most I'd exercised prior to this point was if I was running to try to catch a cab. Like that was, I'm not even kidding. I'd never seen the inside of a gym. Um, so I think it started kind of simultaneously. I went for a yoga class and I went for a hot yoga class. And imagine, I didn't even have the right attire. I was wearing, you know, those thick track pants. The, the what is that? The really fluffy ones? Yes. To a hot yoga the class. One, yes. The fleece ones, exactly. So imagine how well that one turned out. And I was falling everywhere and I loved it. And then I went back for more. I got the right attire. Yeah, I, was gonna say. I got the Maybe right attire. Maybe it's more effective like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Extra hot. yoga. Yeah. yeah, so I started yoga and at the same time, I just started to play around with food. But what I didn't want to do was get sucked into any fad diet. I really wanted to understand what worked for my body and what didn't. So I think I started with like the more obvious ones, you know, like um, processed junk foods. I think those took a bit of a backseat. And then I started to play around with sugar. Um, And slowly but surely, I found, you know, there were things that made me feel much better way before the weight started to fall off. Mm -hmm. So I started to understand also that there was a connection between what I was eating and my state of mind. Right. Like you literally are what you eat. So my mood started to shift. And I think when my mood started to shift, everything else then started to fall into place.
0: Exactly. And you're absolutely right, because a lot of times we, we fall back to comfort eating to make ourselves feel good. But yeah. that's temporary. Yeah. But you're saying taking away the bad food, it actually improved your state of mind.
1: Oh, for sure. Because your serato- so serotonin and dopamine, right? The happy, feel-good hormones. Where, where is the majority of it produced? from your gut 50% of dopamine is produced in your gut I think 90 or 95% of serotonin is produced in your gut so I think we should really watch what we're eating and how we're feeding our gut bacteria yeah
0: you've worked with a lot of people as Mm -hmm. well Mary how can food affect some people more than other people you know some people just have a sort of more complicated
1: relationship with food yeah for sure I think um I think we all do Right. To to a certain degree, we all have some associations with, that we probably haven't questioned um, to do with food. Like if you think about it, if you, you picture an infant or a baby, it will cry its head off when it is hungry. It doesn't care what is sort of correct or not correct. When it's hungry, it needs to be fed. And when it's full, do you think you could feed it? No. No matter what you try, Right. You think, oh, my baby needs to drink X volume of milk. You can have whatever plan you want. That baby is only going to eat, drink, sorry, when it's hungry and it's going to stop when it's full. So we were all born like that. We had this this innate ability to understand our body's true hunger signals and to understand when we're full and to respect it. And then life happens, right? Situations happen, um, events happen, and we go and we make a meaning out of it. And we make an association to that event. And somehow, if you look at our lives now, I'm generalizing, I know, how much of it is centered around food? You got a promotion. Let's celebrate with a meal. It's your birthday. Let's take our friends out for a meal. You're sad. Oh, let's eat something. Everything seems to be centered or revolving around food. So I believe what happens as we kind of grow up and get more conditioned is, um, We start to lose that ability to listen to your body's own signals telling you when it's hungry and when it's full. And to answer your question about um, emotional eating, for example, right? if you grow up and you've seen your mother eat her feelings away, for example, or you've, like for me, I would associate togetherness, like we would sit around in a, we were like a big family when I was growing up and everyone would sit together for dinner and there was always a lot of laughter and a lot of love and there was togetherness, as I said. So what I realized, I didn't see it then, but what I realized much later is whenever I was feeling a void, when I felt I was lonely or I didn't have someone to talk to um, or I was missing that kind of comfort or that, that lightness,
0: yeah.
1: what would I turn to? Because it was anchored to that feeling, that it, it, my, my eating was anchored to that emotion. So somehow in my mind, I was trying to bring back that feeling, and it was anchored to food. Yeah,
0: and it's cultural as well. You mentioned just now, you're Indian and Chinese people, also. I mean, it's yeah. as for Asian. I mean, in the West, people often have uh, big celebrations, and it, like you said, it's always centered around food. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's a, a tricky habit to break for 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 some as well. So, what? Who are the types of people who come to you then? Do they often? Are they usually mums, or are they not mums, or are they sort of at what stage do they do they have their eureka moment and they come to you to think i've got to change i've got to change yeah. my way
1: such a i'm blessed I, I mean i'm i am so privileged that i have i've worked with all kinds of people i you went know, on your instagram and there are loads of different people who've come yeah. to you. yeah so i work with men i work with women i work with young you know as young as 17 18 year olds and as old as i think the oldest client i've worked with to date is in her late 80s wow. so It's uh, somehow it's become about weight loss. I think that seems to be the clientele I attract the most. It's people who want to lose weight. Possibly also because that's the biggest change that one can see in me, right? Is the weight loss. So there's a lot of people who come to me for weight loss. Some are homemakers. um, Some are very, you know, very busy. They travel. Well, pre-COVID, they would travel a lot. I work with men who are, you know, they're bodybuilders as well. They're men who have more sedentary lifestyles. I also have a lot of parents or kids who reach out to me on behalf of their children or their parents when they're worried about them. Um, So it can can really go from weight issues. I've worked with some people who have um, problems with sleep as well, who can't sleep, or they've been taking um, sleeping pills for over a decade, digestive issues, uh, depression, um, type 2 diabetes, all, all types of Oh, a polycystic ovary yeah. syndrome is another big one with women
0: yeah it is we've yep. also covered it on our show very quickly uh, Mary I think a lot of people sort of um question about a sort of holistic do, do you just target the food or do you look at the the person as a whole which area do you I mean do, do you target their sleep as well how does how, how does the assessment work and where do people begin
1: yeah so what I love about this is there's no template so how I work there is no template you know it's not like okay you've come to me step one let's do this step two let's do this I, try, I started like that where I'd have a plan all drawn out you know for it's every session window. and then I realized five minutes into the session it's all gone because here I'm thinking I'm going to talk to you about broccoli and then you tell me you had the biggest fight ever with your husband and so you stuffed your face with brownie well guess what I can't talk to you about broccoli now yeah. can I now I'm going to have to talk to you about your relationship and how do you deal with things and where do you go when something doesn't work you know and so it it goes in all sorts of different directions so, so you a know,
0: coach therapist yeah everything,
1: <laughs> yeah dietitian all rolled into one all rolled into one now saying that I do have I would say a percentage of clients that won't let me in there. Mm. So for them it's just, no, sorry, Mayuri, tell me what to eat, when to eat, here's my weight. Thank you very much. Bye. Okay. I do have that. Yeah. I, I do work with some of them. But the majority of them it's it's quite beautiful because after the first few sessions and when the trust starts to build and they start to open up and they let me into their lives, then we can go anywhere, you know past childhood trauma maybe even current situations that they're dealing with right now spirituality relationships all kinds of things yeah Yeah. Uh,
0: let's talk a little bit uh, about sort of um results because a lot of people are very sort of results driven Mm. it's you know it is about the process but a lot of times people are impatient so what do you say to people who are embarking on a health journey who don't see immediate results Mm. because it's easy to sort of stop it altogether. So what sorts of tips and advice do you have for some of our listeners tuning in?
1: Yeah, for, for people who struggle or just generally for the listeners? Uh, for people struggle. struggle. Mm. Yeah. So I say, you know what, your body, each of our body, we are all bio-individuals right so you and I both have very unique we we both have a very unique set of circumstances internal as well as external so I would never give blanket advice and say all my clients need to do this and I guarantee at the end of the first week you will lose a kilogram because everyone is different everyone's different and you know what may work for you may not work for me at all Like, if we just take one of the most recent hypes, uh, well, not most recent, but one of the hypes, apple cider vinegar, Oh yeah. I'd say 70% of my clients do very well with it, you know, and I do use it as a way to balance uh, or reduce the rate at which uh, your blood sugar increases. But a good 30% of people cannot tolerate it. I'm one of them. I will bloat. If I take it, I will immediately bloat. So it's not as easy as it's a one size fits all approach. They're really, it's it's with these tiny details and with some people they see results very, very quickly. And with some people, especially the ones with the metabolic disorders like I had, those results can tend to come a little bit slower. And we just keep tweaking until we find your sweet spot.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. for some people, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because with these fad diets, well, with some of these diets that we see outside, um, it's not so easy to follow them. And once you follow them, it might not yield the same results. And it's just a diet. It's not really a sustainable lifestyle change.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Whereas we
0: should be targeting on, on a different mindset.
1: Yeah, because you discover your unique blueprint, what works for you and what doesn't, and then it is a lifestyle.
0: I feel so positive after yeah. <laughs> talking to you. I know just now you said you don't offer sort of blanket advice, but what are some easy tips and tricks that our listeners can do to perhaps improve on their lifestyle?
1: Oh, definitely. One, One. this would be applicable to anyone of any age with any underlying health condition. Um, try not to eat things out of a box where when you read the ingredient list, you can't even pronounce half of the names. That would be a good one to start with. You know, if, if um, the the fewer ingredients on an ingredient list, the better it is for you. And if you can't pronounce it, I promise you, your body's not going to do a good job of recognizing it. No,
0: all this processed food, eat real food.
1: Yeah, eat real food. And and um, I think people underestimate the power of water and sleep as well. Those are really simple things that anyone, you know, any age bracket, um, anyone can start that. Just make sure that you do not... Um, compromise on the amount of sleep that you're getting a night and um, don't treat water like it's optional. Yeah. You know, you want to aim to hit, you have at least two, two and a half liters of water a day. Um, make sure you're getting seven to nine hours of sleep. This, I'm surprised at how many of my clients are shocked when I tell them this number. When I say seven, to nine, they're like, what? No, I thought five or six is more than enough. <laughs> wow, can, they can function on so apparently, little Apparently, yeah. Wow it
0: catches up though. But yeah, this, those pillars of health are very important. Sleep and also your nutrition and of course water, as Mayuri said, is very important. Mayuri, yeah. such a pleasure to speak to you. Have you got an Instagram or, or a website where people can follow your work uh, as well?
1: Yes, yes, I do. I, my Instagram handle is at Life, and uh, my website is also com. and thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much and thank we've
0: you. been chatting with Mayuri Punjabi, who's a holistic health coach and also the founder of My Eureka Life. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you.